Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. When I was incarcerated in prison, finally, that was my last uh, arrest, I finally met Jesus. I just fell to my knees and I wept. Uh, I mean, uncontrollably wept. And I realized that, that God was what I really needed. Now, that was back in 1989, and ever since then, Sharon Dutra has dedicated her life to helping others find God so that they can also be transformed. Today on Connections, Sharon is going to share with us about her childhood and the toxic household that she grew up in. She's going to share how she got out of there and how she got to the place she's in today. She'll also tell us a little bit about her ministry, Be Transformed Ministries. We're joined today by Sharon Dutra. She's the co-founder of Be Transformed Ministries in California. We want to start at your childhood and eventually find out how this ministry became what it is today. You had an interesting childhood. Let's start off right at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about life growing up. Well, I was born in Los Angeles and my father was an alcoholic and a womanizer. And so he was married four times by the time I was 17 years old. And as a result, I was forced into foster care early on in my childhood. And um, this really created a feeling of abandonment and rejection in my life. And uh, when I was 13, I started using drugs to keep from feeling the feelings that I was having. I had um, lost a, a baby sister in death by my third mother. And that was a huge blow to my life. And by the time I was 17, I was uh, hitchhiking around California. I was using drugs, all of the drugs that I could get my hands on. I really uh, decided that I hated myself. And so I was just trying to get out of feeling the things that I, um, that were so powerfully impacting me in my life. Your mom also left your home when you were just five years old. Right. Uh, My real mother left and I, I never saw her again. I, um, that of course contributed to my feelings of worthlessness and abandonment. Um, I, I just felt empty. I, I was, I, I knew God, but I didn't really know him personally. And I was, pretty much lost. I've, I I want to use the analogy of a ship out in the middle of the ocean without an anchor. I was just floating along and I didn't have any purpose in life. I was, I lacked joy and peace and I think I was searching, but I really wanted to, uh, to take my life because I didn't want to live through that anymore. For some people, they grow up in really, you know, great loving families. Uh, For people that have been fortunate enough not to go through your experiences, can you tell, tell us how that like forms you as a person growing up then the mindset that you end up with? You mentioned before, like feeling uh, worthless, I think you said. And yeah, what does it do to a young person growing up that way? Well, I had lived in uh, several areas in Los Angeles. I was in a convent in central Los Angeles, and I was in juvenile hall in central Los Angeles. I also lived in a girl's home in East LA. 
And basically, I felt like no one cared about me. So I didn't really care about myself. And the boundaries that I needed were not there. Uh, there was no one, you know, taking care of me and overseeing my life when I was growing up. So I basically made my own rules and I actually developed a false person. It's really interesting. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people about this uh, propensity to develop someone that you are showing to the world, but that's not really who you are. And it's a way to cope. And I had made myself out to be someone who was very strong and very independent. And I didn't care about anyone. I didn't care about their opinions or the way they felt about me because I didn't want to be rejected again. So it really creates a a person that is completely isolated emotionally and mentally. This led you through all sorts of unbelievable things, including going to juvie, going to prison, being in jail 13 times before you were 29 years old. Right. So I had been arrested so many times that it was almost as if I was more comfortable inside they call it inside, then outside. When I was incarcerated in prison, finally, that was my last uh, arrest, I finally met Jesus. I was in my cell and my cellmate had been uh, asked to work in the kitchen, which was a blessing to me because it gave me some time alone. Hmm. And when I was in there, I was reading a book called Devil Driver. And it was about uh, Al Capone's chauffeur. He was a mafia guy in the 20s. And he had committed murder and had people murdered. And he ended up incarcerated. And he met Christ in prison. And the irony was that I was not looking for God. I was reading the book because it was a gangster book. And I just fell to my knees and I wept, uh, I mean, uncontrollably wept. And I realized that, um, that God was what I really needed. What was that like at that moment when you realized that? Well, it was, uh, there was so much, um, shame in my life. I had become so full of shame that I was, um, I was unable to stand next to another human being and feel like I was another person. I just felt like I was, I wasn't even human anymore. And when I met Jesus, um, it was like my whole existence changed. I felt love and I felt peace and I felt joy and he completely transformed my life in that moment Of course, it took years for me to overcome a lot of the issues that I had. But at that moment, I felt like I was a brand new person. And I started teaching Bible, reading the Bible uh, voraciously. Hmm. The chaplain in the prison, he bought me a Bible with his own money and he discipled me. And I began teaching Bible studies in prison and it was an amazing 
experience. A lot of people say that's the worst thing that could happen to them going to prison. But, and it was for me for a couple of weeks until I met Jesus. Hmm. And it became one of the best experiences of my, in my whole life. I love, I love that. Like, I'm sad you had to go to prison, but it just makes me think of Jesus. Like I've come to uh, proclaim good news, right. And set the captives free and literally right. for you. Uh, and I think like a lot of people, when we hear stories like yours and people finding freedom from addiction and rock bottom, like it's this instantaneous miracle, but at the same time you touched on it, it it's instantaneous, but it takes years. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit more about that? Like what had to happen then once you met Jesus? Well, I had to come to terms with a lot of things. Uh, my family had, I had abandoned my family, my children, my ex-husband, and I still had, you know, you know, there were a lot of triggers. So, you know, when I would interact with people, I would still feel shame and uh, abandonment, rejection issues. I married my current husband. We've been married 30 years now, but when I met him, uh, he helped me through so many of my uh, abandonment issues. He was a rock solid uh, man of God, and he loved me through my hardships in the early years. And without him, I'm not sure who I would be today. Um, obviously, God played a huge part in my healing. Uh, but he has been uh, a huge factor in the healing and restoration that's happened in my life. I also have a relationship with my children, my grown children now. And that's been one of the hugest blessings as well in my life. People listening, they could be, you know, maybe not as far gone as you, or maybe they are, but often we feel in life like we are too far gone to repair certain things, right? And repair relationships, especially. So, yeah, what do you say to those people believing that this morning, that what they've done is too much and too far to find hope and restoration and reconciliation? I was just reading in the Bible this morning about God's faithfulness. And I just want to say to everyone listening that God is faithful even when we are not. God is able when we are weak. God is willing to restore our lives. And I would just say, press into God. Uh, read your Bible every day. Continually pray and ask him for help and wisdom and power to overcome the things that you are feeling or going through. He is always available and he is majestic. He is able to solve our problems. It doesn't mean we're not going to go through hardship. It just means that we have a best friend that will walk through our hardships with us. What's beautiful about this story is that now after all that you've been through, you are taking that experience. You're putting it out there in the public and you're helping others get through similar situations. Why did you decide to do this? I think when you have good news <laughs> and we have really good news in Jesus, I, I, can't help but share it with other people. And 
my whole platform is sharing my hope with people because I've been in a place where I was completely hopeless. I mean, I was trying to kill myself. I was trying to, you know, just do whatever I could not to feel, not to think, not to be uh, a person uh, of worth. And I just feel like I want to share that with the world. Whatever you're going through, it's it's something that God will help you deal with. And no matter where you are, no matter who you are, where you've, you've been or what you've done, God is able to forgive you and to set things in motion so that your life can be a testimony to others. If you could go back in time and change your story, would you, or would you keep it as is because it's what's shaped you to be who you are today? Yes, I would keep my story hands down. The only thing that I might change is abandoning my children. Mm-hmm. But um, again, God has restored those relationships and I wouldn't change my story for a minute. I feel like uh, the Bible says that um, the things that we go through are a way for us to comfort others as we've been comforted by God. And that's exactly what everyone's story is for is to share with others what the similarities that they've, that they're going through can help other people. Um, you get to see that play out lots with your ministry, be transformed ministries, uh, reaching out and sharing your story with people. What's it like when people hear your story and then they decide that that's the moment that they can have a change in their life too? What's that like for you to witness that? It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, I've written three Bible study books now, and they are in four languages, and they're being used in eight countries by different denominations, pastors. We've sent out over 35,000 free books to prisoners across the country in the United States and in other countries. And the books and my story have impacted so many lives in such profound ways that it's mind boggling to me because I know who I was and I know where I came from. And it's impossible to believe that God has used me so powerfully. It's, it it wasn't, I mean, I worked hard. I went back to school and I became a registered nurse. I graduated with honors, just these miracles that have happened in my life I thought I had killed every brain cell in my mind, but God was faithful and he brought me through all of that. And the stories are amazing of what he's done in my life. And I just want to share that he can do things in your life that you will not even believe can happen if you love him and serve him and follow him. Uh, I'm wondering, do you still like all these years later and all the work that you've done and the freedom you found in Jesus, do you still struggle with shame ever? And how do you handle that? Or if you don't struggle with shame, please tell me how to get over shame. (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, No, I don't feel shame anymore. Uh, I 
I mean, I'm ashamed of myself sometimes when I'm, you know, when I yeah. fall, but, uh, the shame, that deep shame is, is gone. I have a confidence in Christ and it's not in myself because again, I know who I was. I know where I came from. I know that I didn't pick myself up and, uh, you know, change my life. I know that God did all of that work. And so for those of you who are listening, who feel that deep shame, I just uh, ask you to, again, to press into God, ask him to reveal himself and to restore your soul and your spirit and your mind and your heart. And he is able to do that. I think reading the Bible was probably one of the most impactful things that I've done in my life. I read the Bible most, most every day, and it has the power to transform the way you think about God, the universe, about yourself, about other people. And it has the ability to, uh, to change the way you see your worldview and it's it's uh, it's a supernatural book, and I just ask that you would just uh, get into the Bible. And you're the perfect example of what can happen and what God can do in your life. For those who want to hear more of your story, want to learn more about you or about your Bible study books, how can they go about doing that? Our website is betransformedministries.com. And that's M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S uh, dot com. And we have all sorts of information on our website. And if you want to email me, you can email me at betransformed at betransformedministries.com. And I would love to hear from you. We get a lot of mail from uh, inmates. And we also get uh, feedback from other countries on the way that these Bible studies are impacting people in the church and also out of the church. Do you ever plan on stopping? (laughs) When I take my last breath, (laughs) (laughs) I want to serve Jesus with everything I have until I, until I take my last breath, literally. Uh, I know that sometimes people are physically unable to, you know, to share the gospel, you know, they may be bedridden, they may be uh, chronically ill, but there are always things that we can do for Christ. We can write letters, we can encourage people, we can call people, we can uh, pray for people. And I just encourage you to take the faith that you have in Christ and to share it with other people. The time is short and we need to share Jesus with other people. And I also encourage you who are listening, who do not have a relationship with Jesus to bend your knee and your heart and your mind to him today and invite him into your life and ask him to begin transforming your life. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for being vulnerable and for being so open. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really grateful. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.